Welcome to church this morning. Glad you're here. I encourage you. Uh, go ahead. I hope you've already gotten signed in here on my left, your right. I uh, hope you can uh, back away from the table so you can join us as we sing. This is a fun song. Uh, that's why we picked it. Uh, kind of get you up moving this morning. So uh, grab your cup of coffee and uh, let's praise the Lord, okay? Come on. given us all. Lord, you have given us all that we need, all that we will ever need, Lord. We praise you for that. We thank you, God. Thank you. God, that you are so good to us. And we are here to praise you today. We may not feel like it because life may have us in a bad, rough place, but that's when we have to choose to praise you, God. That's when we have to choose to praise you the most for all you've done. We love you. We thank you, God. So we are here to call out to you. Amen. 
grace just covers this entire world, every one of us. We are set free because of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your son. Thank you, Father, that we can abide in you, we can trust in you, that you carry us on eagle's wings. Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus that your will be done. Holy Spirit, guide each and every one of us who's listening today. Fill us anew. Teach us. Lead us. Remind us how much you cover us and take care of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.
Thank you, God. You are good to us, Lord, to carry us when we're weakest. God, but you draw us close. Right now, Lord, we're dealing with a lot. Personally, each of the people watching this, listening to this, God, they're stressed about work, about their families, about their future. Lord, come and lift us up. Draw us near to you, God. We know that we don't want to live our lives stressed and anxious. We know that's not your desire for us. You, you saved us to set us free. God, we offer it all to you today. Thank you for that, Ed. Mm. Um, beautiful song. <clears throat> so, and it, I'm glad you're here. I hope that you've gotten uh, registered and signed in. There's some uh, sermon notes and announcements are over there. Uh, I'll talk some more about those in just a moment. But uh, try to get more and more people involved in our worship uh, on Sundays, uh, just like we when we gathered in person. So today I've asked uh, uh, Artie Kendall if he would lead us in our pastoral prayer. Uh, so Artie, please. Good morning. My name is Artie Kendall and I'm a member of Wesley Chapel. I serve as vice chair of Wesley's administrative board, a leader for the youth ministry, a new part of the merger team, and hopefully helping Elizabeth Greenwell with a new Bible study on Sunday mornings. I say hopefully because we were about to start on the day that we stopped our normal worship services. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our world is different today. Yesterday we often went about doing our normal things with what was important to us. Steady, confident, and forward in one direction. Hopefully you were a part of that, either large or small. But now there is so much that is different, it makes it hard to bear. Anxiety is shared across all levels. We have people that are financially hurt. We have people frustrated trying to file for some type of relief. We have people worried about catching this virus. 
We have people worried about people coming here from other parts contaminating us. We have people upset about the right to be here. We have people in our town that are sick and we have people that are likely to die. And that anxiety sometimes causes us to lose focus on what is important. Jesus said, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Lord, help us to focus on you and be thankful for what we have, not what is ahead. Lord, you have given us cause to reevaluate things in our life. It is a time when we are called to be united as one, to help each other, and to put others before ourselves. Lord, we thank you for our leaders, the leaders of our church, our mayor and council members, our county, state, and federal leaders, and our president. Give them the wisdom to guide us through these perils. Lord, we thank you for our medical professionals, doctors, nurses, attendants, medical administrative professionals, and the blue collar staff. Give them strength, hope, physical protection, and mental wellness to suffer through this. Lord, we thank you for the emergency service personnel police, firemen, ambulance crew that are often the first line of call. Protect them, give them courage, and let them know they are appreciated for they serve for the good of others. Lord, we thank you for those businesses that are open and providing us with essential services. Both the owners and especially the workers they place themselves in contact with all people to serve others. They serve knowing the risks and provide us the means to exist. Give them protection, strength, and may they know that they are honored for being there every day. And Lord, for those that are compromised with illnesses or conditions, we ask that you surround them with your hand and protect them. Give them comfort, give them strength, hope, and faith, even where faith is thin. We ask this in Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 1-8 Paul, a disciple of Christ Jesus, by the will of all God and Timothy, all brother, to state of faithful Brothers in Christ of Colossians, grace of you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God and the faith, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when the, we pray for you. Since we heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and now of the love that you have for the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole wide world is burning fruit and instruing as it always 
does Emmanuel a day that you hold it understood the grace of the God in truth. Jesus, as you learned it from Esperit, all belief, fearless secret, he is a father, mystery, a Christ of the behalf, and have and has made known to us you loved in the spirit. I'm in a berry patch today because I think berries are a good illustration of what's going on in our text today. You, you just heard Jesuit read it a moment ago, and I, and I can't, I, I just have to say, great job. For such a little guy reading like that, that was fantastic. Way to go, man. You are awesome. Blackberries. Blackberries are what's called a, um, a primocane, a bramble. Uh, this means that they fruit on last year's growth. I mean, this summer, they'll grow shoots up out of the ground, and those shoots will, this fall, will lose their leaves, and over the winter, they'll go dormant. But next year, in March, they'll start to come alive, and they'll begin to flower. And then in June and July, they'll begin to produce big, sweet, black, great big ones, blackberries. It takes a lot of time, much like our maturing in Christ. And along the way, they can get diseases or pests, can come along and damage them. All sorts of things can cause them to fail to produce a crop. These pests we can see, even the diseases, once you know what to look for, it's pretty easy to diagnose. What's hard though, what's hard though is, is understanding the nutrients that come out of the soil because you can't see them. You can't see all those microbes and everything. We don't know. They're hard to measure. It's difficult, but they can have a huge impact on the fruit, on the crop that's produced. Our faith is the same way. There's a lot of things that can come and damage our faith along the way. Today, as we begin a study of a small letter in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae is called Colossians. Paul knew, he knew that there was danger for the church. Danger that was hard to recognize. Just as hard and just as dangerous as this lack of nutrients that could affect these plants behind me. You may not remember who Paul was. The book of Acts describes him as, as a part of the Jewish, uh, the ruling Sanhedrin, right? He was, he was the upper crust of the Jewish society. He, was, he called himself the Pharisee, a Pharisee of Pharisees. But he was, he was charged with, with persecuting the church. But through a very dramatic conversion experience, he, he, meet, he met Jesus and it changed his life. And from that moment on, he began to live as a missionary for Jesus. Not, not persecuting the church, but starting new ones. Encouraging existing ones. Helping those that were struggling. Teaching people the truth about what Jesus had done and said. The one Jesus, who he, Paul, had, had persecuted. Who'd witnessed crucified on the cross. And then he met alive on the roadside. And that moment changed his life, and Paul never looked back. We see this in his letter. He describes himself, as, in verse 1, as an apostle. An apostle is different from a disciple. A disciple is a student, a follower. Like, we're disciples of Jesus if we're a follower of Jesus. But an apostle is one who is sent. It's different. And Paul understood himself as being sent by Jesus. I mean, think about it, though. He had never met these people in Colossae, but he cared for them. Because, that well, that was his mission. 
He'd been sent to care for the church. And, and even in prison, that didn't stop him. The Colossians, you see, is one of Paul's, what we call a, one of his prison letters. He was sequestered away because he kept teaching and preaching about Jesus. And so he had been arrested. But even being isolated in prison wouldn't stop him. In fact, Paul, Paul saw it as an opportunity to teach, to equip the church. That makes me think what we could be doing during our isolation, our stay-at-home orders. Instead of maybe like me watching more Netflix, maybe there's a ministry that you could develop or, or maybe you could develop yourself as a better minister. A ministry that would be an encouragement for others. Equip yourself to help the church or help others. I've heard some of you making masks to give to people in need and that's fantastic. I've been amazed at the at the interest in people wanting to, to get involved in our food pantry and, the, and our uh, hope boxes. For Paul, isolation wasn't the end of his ministry. It just meant a chance to do something different. It can be the same today. I ask you, how is God leading you during this season of, of stay at home to, to, to be an ambassador for Christ or to prepare yourself to be an ambassador for Christ? Paul, he was compelled to encourage the church in Colossae. Why do they need encouragement, you might ask? That's a good question. What was happening there? Epaphras, who this introduction section tells us about, he had probably gone and told Paul in Rome about the problems that were happening in Colossae. And, and, and so he probably told Paul, Paul, you got to write a letter to fix those people, right? Because they are messing up. Their struggle was to be in Colossae or in Christ. It's what we talked about last week from John 17, where Jesus prayed for us to be in the world, but not of the world. See, that's what they were struggling with. They were being tempted to become more of the world, to add the cultural practice of Colossae to their faith in Christ, to bring it into the church and make it part of their faith. And Paul is writing to ask, or to tell them that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough the title of our series. They were a fairly new church. And like any of us, when we're, we're new Christians, we're, we're not threatened with atheism or Judaism or Buddhism. I mean, we've moved past those things, right? The real threat to our faith is subtle change that people adopt and, and teach us over time, blending their cultural realities with that of the church, with that of faith, real faith in Christ. It's called syncretism, and it can be very subtle. Years ago, I was in Chichicastenango, and I saw it firsthand, right? Uh, right there, there was a big Catholic church in Chichi, and, and on the steps of the church were, were two altars on each side near the entrance for Mayan priests to come and make their offerings to their gods. Right on the church steps. The church allowed it. Why? To be relevant, to connect with the people. I stood there one day and I was just looking at it thinking, there is no way in the world that I would ever allow that in a church where I pastor. And yet, if I'm going to be honest, we do. Two ways that we make this same error, right? Well, first, there's one error that we always make, and that's majoring on the minors. Legalism. I grew up in a church that taught that since the, old, since the New Testament church didn't have musical instruments, so we couldn't have musical instruments. So legalism, right? Over, over legalism. If you, if, you, if you did church right, you didn't do that. 
their denominations that think they're the only true church because they have this special belief that no one else had. Conservative churches that say, well, rules are great, so let's have more. And then there's, that's who Paul wrote to in the church in Galatians to remind them of the grace of God in Christ. We can get so caught up in the minutia of our, of our theology that people are actually repelled by our faith than being attracted to it. And if that ever happens, that is a problem. Then there's the other side, which is syncretism, and that, that is adopting the beliefs of our culture, our, adding them to our faith. At its best, it's contextualizing, but, but oftentimes we take it too far. Our contextualization becomes something besides Christianity. Many churches today struggle with this, adapting the values of our culture and blessing them as Christian. Some say if, if love is good, well, well you, should, you can love anybody, and you can love anybody any way you want. And if you disagree with us, you aren't a real church. Others say, well, real Christians <laughs> we know are Republicans. And others say, well, if you love like Jesus, you have to be a Democrat. Well, we sing hymns because that's the way you're supposed to do it. Or, or we sing modern music because that's the way we have to do it to be relevant to our culture. Colossians, just like the church today, the threat to faith in Jesus wasn't really disbelief. It's our tendency to add to faith in Christ, to make it something besides Christianity. That's what happens when we say to Jesus, plus. So Jesus, follow, trust Jesus and, no, just trust Jesus. Because of this, we're going to see Paul write about some very interesting things in this book, particular ideas. He's going to write about fullness. He uses that word a lot in this, in this letter. Because he knew that Jesus is enough, our series. We're going to read a lot about Paul writing about freedom. Because these teachers who are teaching these, these new rules of holiness, and he's bind, they're binding people to them. We're also going to read about unity, because the people are being taught that, that there are Christians and there are real Christians, and we need to divide Christians, right? Forgive me for ever offering such an idea myself, that there's such a thing as a real Christian. Paul's going to connect our hope, faith, and love to our relationships, our work, our families. There's a lot in this letter that applies to us here today in 2020. To say I'm excited about it is an understatement. I, I've, I've been in touch with a great church down in North Carolina, Imago Day, and they have uh, they've given us a resource to use to, to help us study God's Word. So as we work through this series, there are study questions in our in the notes page here. Uh, I invite you to print those out and use those during the week, just to have a conversation with friends and family and and people about your faith. You can access the whole study book uh, on our website. Just go to the blog section, and under the study tab, there will be a uh, look for a Jesus is Enough article, and it will be there. But here at the start, Paul is writing to the church, to people like us. We see it in verse 2 where he says, To God's holy people, God's set-apart people, set apart by God because of their faith, because of their belief in the gospel. But make no mistake here. Paul is writing to fix things, to correct wrong thinking, to stop wrong behavior before it really gets started. That's the easiest time to fix a problem, you know? Before it has a chance to take root. It's like my garden over there. 
there have been many years where we let the weeds get carried away and then we go in and try to clean them up before it's time to harvest the, the crop and and we just give up because you know it's just too hard we'll just go buy them from somebody at some farmer's market up the road but if we went in early and, and hoed them out you know when the weeds were young it'd been easy paul is coming in early to, to hoe the garden to stop the problem before it becomes a problem Oftentimes, all we see, though, is the negative when someone steps into our life to correct us. When someone is criticism for me, I mean, my first instinct is always to, to make more of it than what it is, to see it as bad as I can. In fact, I even tend to make it worse than what they probably intended it. I blow it out of proportion in my head. Paul starts in a great place. He starts exactly where we should whenever we're going to try to correct somebody or to, to change someone's behavior or change their thinking. To start with, to, by telling them what's going right, because there are some great things going on in Colossae. He lets them know what, when he prays for them, he thanks God for them. He's heard, most likely from their friends, from their mentor Epaphras, of their faith in Jesus and their love for people. You see, they have a reputation. They have a reputation of trusting God and loving his people. The word for faith there. Pistisi tells us that it's more than just believing what they've been told about Jesus. Faith, you see, is, is relying on his promises, having confidence that he's alive, depending on his power right now for this life. Faith, you see, is far more than believing. It, it's like planting the seed, trusting that, that what I've been told, what I've seen, what I, that I can trust what is, that is going to happen again. I have faith that the seeds I plant down in that garden this year are going to sprout and come to life. So when I plant them, I take care of them. Because they will produce a crop. I know they will. This good news about Jesus changed the way they approached life because they knew it was true. Just like those seeds. They began to love one another. That, that confidence shaped their living. And that was part of their reputation. You see, the Colossians, their reputation of living their lives as the church, loving Jesus and loving their neighbors, it, sort of the way that, that you all have been doing that, checking in on each other, calling your neighbors, calling one another. And some of you have been calling people you don't even know. All you know is that they're a part of your church, so you want to connect with them. That's That is great. That's awesome. Praise God for that. Some of you have been, you know, I said a moment ago, making masks for people that, that work out in public and, and need them. And they're hard to find. Some of you have been delivering food to people in need, meals, meals on wheels. Some of you are doing that. Some of you are delivering groceries, boxes of hope. And so others of you have the means to give financially. And so you've been supporting these ministries fantastically. And that's a sign of your love for one another. And I just want to say thank you. Hope, faith. And love for you and, and for the church in Colossae, you know, see, this faith and love flow out of their confident hope. Hope that's not a wishful thinking, but a hope that's an expectation. So let me say right here, just pause for a moment, that if you struggle with loving others, especially brothers and sisters in Christ, if you struggle with reorienting, reorienting your life around the truths of Scripture, it's probably because you have a hope deficit. 
I mean, so here, you, you've heard the good news of Jesus, but you aren't convinced. You can't bring yourself to surrender to it, to, to put confidence in it. I'll, I'll tell you, if you, if you can't put confidence in it, all religion becomes a burden. There's no joy in it. And if you have no joy in, in it, that, no confidence in it, then you don't really have the good news. And I, your faith is really meaningless. The Colossians, though, they had that joy. They'd heard the good news. They believed it. It led them to trust, to depend. It gave them a relying faith that produced change in their lives. A change to, to love, to forgive, to support, to help, encourage, care for one another. You'll see this pattern throughout Colossians. Hope, faith, then love. Because, because these are foundational ideas in Paul for Paul in his letters. In fact, you might say that, that we are even beneficiaries of the, the work that was going on in Colossians. Verse 6, it says it, it says it itself. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Isn't that beautiful? We are recipients of that grace. We're beneficiaries. We've received passed down. I grew up on a farm, and I love getting in the dirt, right? One thing I love is the way you see God's hand in creation, the pattern we see in many parts of creation and the order, right? It's something that's always fascinated me. And when I discovered the name for it, the Fibonacci sequence, it really did open the world up to me. You know, it's a, you may not know what I'm speaking of right now, but it's a, it's a pattern in the sunflower, right? The, the, the way the petal, the flower is arranged. It's the shape of a goat's horn. It's the, the pattern of leaves on a plant, the way they sprout and the order that they sprout in. The, the shape and the layout of a pine cone, if you look at it. You can even see it in blackberries, in the little nodules on a blackberry. It's, it's not just here. It's in many other places. It's a repeating pattern that just kind of continually repeats itself until it never ends. It's the same for our faith is one that Paul is getting at here. We hear the good news of hope, and that leads to faith, and it expresses itself as love. And our love gives others hope that leads to them having faith that expresses in them. They begin to express their faith by love, and then that gives others hope, and it's just a chain reaction. That's how the church began. That's how it's, it's always been the fuel for the church for centuries. People like Epaphras back, in, back then, and today people like my friend Wayne, who's probably watching this today. He heard the good news. He believed it, and that belief began to change his life happens all the time. He began to tell others, and it made a difference in their lives. And they, be, they began to change, and they began to tell others. We, we wrote in, our, in a vision document for ourselves that, that we want every person who calls our church home to experience the real presence and power of God, moving us to live as missionaries right here in our community. We want that for our whole church that we would become known as the church where God's love is real, where hope is restored, and faith is established. My hope, my prayer for us, is that every one of us, every one of you, will be involved in showing and sharing God's good news wherever needs are. We wrote this, so that every person in our community, 
will have experienced the tangible love of God through our ministries. A love that restores hope, that opens them to faith. A faith that changes the direction of their life. And this change will see them come and join us as missionaries to reach others. God's grace working in and through us will serve as a rising tide for our entire community. We will be changed individually and the change in us will overflow and ripple out into every crack and corner of our community, touching every life, even those in the darkest corners. We will see hope rise again in our community as God's presence in our faith-driven, hope-filled, graceful love draws people to Him. Is that your prayer? That's my prayer for our church. If it is, if you want to be a part of something like that, if you want that to be your reputation, pray with me right now. Lord, I want a new reputation. I want to be reputed as being yours. For too long I've been known as living on my own, my own way for my own agenda. I want to be known for my faith in you, my love for your people. So I give you my life today, Lord. I repent of my sin. I thank you for your forgiveness. I believe that you have made me new today. And now, today, I begin to live for you because I'm no longer my own. I belong to you, my Lord, God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, fantastic. Welcome to the family. I, I invite you, if you would, to click on the link below me where it says, yes, I've decided to follow Jesus. It, even if you prayed it before, that, that today you're starting over because man, God is a God of chances, not second chances, but fifth and sixth and 20th. Just, but I want to celebrate with you. So if you would, fill out the form that pops up so I can follow up with you because I want to encourage in your faith. This is great news. It's the best decision you will ever make. One more thing. In addition to the study guide that's here in the notes section that, that you can print out and use, I, I want to encourage you, families, couples, to do something today. Mom, Dad, Mr. Mrs., whoever, I, I want to help you disciple your family tonight. So tonight at dinner, I want us to have a talk about what we're thankful for in each other. So our kids, kids, you, maybe you could make something today. Make something that you can show your parents or your grandparents what you appreciate about them. And then tonight at dinner, parents, spouses, why don't, why don't y'all spend a, a few minutes telling each other what you appreciate about each other? And then pray for each other. It's just a simple prayer, just to thank God for what they mean to you. Sort of like Paul did in the beginning of the passage today. Nothing fancy, just to thank God for what they mean to you. Amen? Amen. Now, I'd like to close with our benediction. You're more than welcome to join me. Uh, we do every Sunday. Life is much more than an accident. Wherever you go, believe that God needs you there. Wherever you are, trust God has put you there. He has a purpose for you being there. That is Christ being alive in you, wants to do something through you, no matter where you are. I ask you to believe this and go in His grace and his love and his power. God bless you all. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for logging in today. Love you. Stay healthy. Bye-bye.